City Church in Over the Rhine is cultivating the kind of family Jesus introduced to the world in the city of Cincinnati. We're glad you're choosing to listen to a sermon from our weekly service. We would love to meet you. Visit us on Instagram or at citychurchotr.com. Enjoy. Good morning. Good morning, City Church. If you haven't met me, my name is Rob Groves, and I'm the associate pastor here. Um, I carry Chris's Bible. I change his oil. I pick up his dry cleaning. And then every few weeks, uh, he rolls me out here to preach. Um, So I'm very honored to be here and serve you guys. Uh, uh, I'm excited about Christmas. Who's excited about Christmas? Who's coming with me? It's here. It's here. It is really real. Um, we're going to dive right into some scripture. Uh, like Kristen alluded to, this is a series on the gifts. The gifts given to Jesus at his birth. Well, not technically at his birth. We're going we're gonna to debate and get into that. Um, so we're going to get right into some scripture right away. Uh, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, if you have your Bible or fake Bibles on your phone, or we can look at it on the screen. I'll read it to you guys so we can read along together. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go worship him. And they heard the king, and they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Somebody say overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child was with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures. Somebody say treasures. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So here's the scene. Herod was the unchallenged ruler of Judea. Herod, the unchallenged ruler of Judea. And these wise men come and say, where's the king? Now, uh, if you are a Bible reader and follower, you know that Matthew and Luke are the only Gospels that record the birth of Jesus. They're the synoptic synoptic Gospels, say that three times fast, synoptic Gospels, and they are the only ones that record the birth of Jesus. Luke tells us about the shepherds, 
uh, in the field approached by an angel, how they arrive at Jesus' birth. And Matthew tells us about the magi, or in your translation, I might say wise men, who show up sometime later, probably between like nine and two, like nine months and two years later. So, if your nativity scene has wise men, you are incorrect. <laughs> and uh, I, I heard a pastor preach on this one time, and he was so disturbed. He was so irritated by this. He said him and another pastor were just going to drive around to people's lawns and just start kicking over wise men every time they saw him. And I have to tell you, it warmed my heart. Because I'm a thug. <laughs> I just imagine myself with them. We're just driving like, oh, there's another one. Let's kick down the wise men. It's biblically inaccurate. Get your nativity scene straight. The wise men were not there. Now, the shepherds were there, but the wise men were not. Okay, I digress. Uh, the first few chapters of Matthew's gospel fly right by. There's the genealogy, uh, the birth, the baptism, and then boom, we're on to the Sermon on the Mount and the rest of Jesus' life and ministry. So we really need to slow down and kind of look at this passage because there's a lot going on. We have King Herod. We have Magi, or wise men, and we have Jesus. Now, Matthew's gospel has a purpose and message. All the gospels have a purpose and message. But Matthew wants us to see Jesus as king. And not just any king, as a risen king. Amen? If there's something I want you guys to take away from all three weeks of this, it's this. There were many kings, priests, and prophets before Jesus. But Jesus is the one true king of kings the highest priest, and the final prophet. So I got a question for you guys. How do you respond to the arrival of a king? How do you respond to the teaching of a priest? How do you receive the words of a prophet? I'm going to pray for us this morning. Father, be present with us. Speak through me. Help me to decrease pray that you would increase right now. Jesus, you came as a baby boy to be king over your kingdom. Lord, help us now. Give us fresh revelation of your kingship and your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you've been at City Church longer than three weeks, then you know how much I love Christmas because I've been yakking about it like since November 1st. Um, I'm trying to think about like when my just love for Christmas just became over the top. Uh, I think it started when I was a kid. So first when I was a kid and going to bed with the stockings that are empty and waking up uh, with a stocking that's just full. Um, I even tried to catch Santa. Uh, I tried to sleep in front of the fireplace. Anybody ever do that? He's like, I'm going to catch him. I'm going to get him this time. Sleep in front of the fireplace. He's going to have to step over me to get in this stocking. And I can never stay up late enough, could never catch him. Uh, would wake up, stockings are full. Anybody get like uh, candy or treats in their, in their stockings? Like I got, yeah, food. Like anybody get tangerines, like the little oranges? Yeah, come on. Get all Gen Xers in the house. <laughs> the rest of y'all are spoiled. Um, <laughs> raised by Gen Xers. Um, you know, a little matchbox car in the stocking when you wake up. It's just magical. I just, I loved it. So that was my, so if, if I'm being honest, like, you know, pretty much gifts got me pretty fired up for, uh, for Christmas. One year, I think the best year, the best Christmas gift I got was a Nintendo entertainment system. The first one, not a Switch, 
you youngins. <laughs> not even a GameCube, not even Nintendo 64, the NES in all of its 8-bit glory. Just me and Mario for weeks on end. I, I just glued to the TV playing Super Mario Bros. It was one of the best Christmases ever. Um, and then you grow up and, you know, the, the gifts get a little less cool. You start getting socks and clothes and stuff you need for school. And you're like, ah, oh, this sucks. <laughs> kind of loses its mystique a little bit. Um, and then I worked retail for a while. And nothing will kill the Christmas joy like working retail during the holidays. That is why people hate Christmas music. It's not because Christmas music is bad. It's just because it's just drone in your ear for 40 hours a week, right? And then you have to work Christmas Eve, and then you got to set up for a sale that happens the day after Christmas. Isn't that fun? It's not fun. It will take, it'll just zap the joy right out of Christmas. Okay, but then I got married pretty young, and we started having kids, and I was able to buy presents for people, for my lovely bride and for my kids, and I love to give gifts. And not just any gifts, I like to give over-the-top gifts. I like to do, who's a fan of the movie The Christmas Story? Come on, Christmas Story fans anymore? Okay, so quarter of your saved. Um, <laughs> Christmas Story is a great movie. You should watch it every Christmas at least once or ten times. Um, we like to do the Christmas, I'm going to spoil it for you um, non-believers out there. Um, we like, I like to do the cold Christmas story move where we act like all the gifts have been opened and I like peek behind the, the tree. I'm like, oh, I think, I think somebody else might have presents on Christmas. And the kids get all excited and they're like, ah, we got another present. Uh, that's, my, that's kind of been my go-to move. But now my kids are all grown. I've got two out of the country. Uh, they're way across the world, and I've got two here, and they're all just grown, and it's not as fun anymore. So kind of loses its mystique again. But then when COVID hit, whew, I needed that Christmas. I needed that Christmas of 2020. COVID kind of helped me uh, get reinvigorated for the Christmas season, and I've been gone ever since. So now Christmas officially starts on November 1st for me. And while it's not terrible that I get excited about the joy that the Christmas season brings, I also need to be reminded that it's not just a positive emotional boost that robs me. It's not just my own personal, like, oh, it's Christmas, here's my uh, uh, positive emotional boost. It's way more than just how I'm feeling. Um, there's something far greater happening going on around us. It's not about the gifts I give or even the gifts um, that are given to me. It's about a king. It's about a king and the arrival of a kingdom. Whatever happens this month, I want you guys to take something away. It's more than a season. It's more than a feeling. A king was born and a king will return. Amen? Now, maybe you're just like me. Maybe you just get all giddy and you're just about it and you like the gifts and um, you like, bring on the joy, bring on the parties, bring on the presents, bring on the food, bring on the fun. And those aren't bad things, they just aren't the main thing. Maybe you are just a churchin, and you grew up seeing a million church pageants, you were in all of the, the plays and the Christmas choirs, and you're like, yeah, 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 Rob, get on with it, we're going to read Luke 2, we're going to read Isaiah, we're going to hear about a fake nativity scene that didn't really have wise men in it, <laughs> and you're just kind of blasé about it, and that's a problem too. They say familiarity breeds contempt, and we don't want to get too familiar with our king that we just get complacent, amen? Or maybe you're just a Grinch, and right now, you work retail. 
<laughs> if you hear one more Christmas song, you're going to lose it. It's hard to get in the spirit just because of your work schedule or because life is just plain busy. Your schedule is full. And you're having a hard time feeling the love right now, feeling the joy. There's one more group of you out there that I want to touch, and that is um, maybe this is your first holiday without a loved one. And you got people with silly smiles telling you to just be happy and just be joyful, and you really aren't feeling it. And I want to tell you that if that's you, that this church mourns with you, that this is a safe place for you to mourn and be sad. Um, and if anybody tells you to turn that frown upside down, um, please give me their address, and I will fight them. <laughs> I will put a brick through their windshield, I promise you. That's how much I love you. <laughs> um, no, we don't want you to turn the frown upside down. We want you to experience Jesus through us. Um, so uh, this is a place for that, and you are welcome here. This is a message to remember that we have a king. That if you are a Christian, we have a king. And my question for you is, how do you honor the king? Now, at the time of Jesus' birth, um, like I said, Herod was king, and him, him was a bad king. Him, 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 him was bad. Uh, like I said, he was the unchallenged ruler of Judea. Uh, he was so scared of losing power that he would just kill his kids because he didn't want them to take the throne. He was a bad dude. He killed his wife because he didn't like her because he thought she was getting too powerful. Uh, he was just all bad. Um, you could say that he was a paranoid narcissist. And it's documented that it was better to be one of Herod's pigs than to be one of his own children. That's how bad he treated his family and how serious he was about his throne. He did not want to lose his throne. He did not want to lose power. And he's basically a picture of all, you know, most rulers and kings that come after him. Just paranoid, narcissist, scared of losing power. And if you need a further example, I'm not going to go into all of his evil deeds, but just look up Nero. He, was, he wasn't a good guy. Nero, Nero was a, another bad guy that followed in the line of cruel and unusual rulers. So the people of that time of Jesus' birth were used to being ruled by awful people. And as a result, they would hold out for a better king. As a result, they were always hoping and waiting for a better king, a Messiah, a Savior. Now, we live in the United States, and we don't really like the idea of kings. Like, we've done away with the thought of kings. My favorite uh, king to mention is uh, King George III. You guys know who this guy is? Anybody seen Hamilton? You know? That's my guy. I love that part. That's, the, that's my favorite king character. He is a fool. I love him. But we did away with all that type of uh, sovereign rule, and guess what we do? Now we elect people. Just go ahead and insert your political jokes that you want there and keep it to yourself. I don't think people lose it. But now we elect people. Uh, but if you are a Jesus follower, you don't just live in this country or any country that you're in. You reside in a kingdom. You reside in a kingdom, and that kingdom has a king. Like Kristen said, today is the beginning of Advent, and Advent is all about yearning for a king. It's all about yearning for something different than we are experiencing right now. Listen, Republicans and Democrats, 
Both have their pros and cons. Both have their faults. But there is no fault with the one true king whose name is Jesus. Amen? And Jesus isn't elected. He's heir. Jesus is heir to the throne. Church family, as the clock strikes December and the guy with the gingerbread and snowman on his shoes tries to get you guys all fired up for Christmas, let's turn our focus to King Jesus. Amen? My question is, how do you honor a king? Let's pick it back up in Matthew 2, and let's read verses 9 through 11 again. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. If you are from Texas, gift has two syllables. It's gift. Gift. Anybody who's been to Texas? What does the gift of gold tell us about Jesus? Well, the low-hanging fruit is that it tells us that Jesus is a king, and this is how they're going to honor the king. Let's look at who brought the gift. The Magi were wise men. The Magi were wise men or interpreters of dreams. They were astronomers. Uh, the Magi, you can trace um, them all the way back to the book of Daniel, if you're familiar with the book of Daniel. Um, and he was the head of Magi or strong men. Um, so these Magi, they come from a long line of um, um, Persians who were interpreting dreams, who were astronomers, who did magic, and they probably would have heard the prophecy of Jesus for like the last six, seven hundred years. Uh, they would have heard the prophecies about this birth. They were also Gentiles, um, like you and me, um, and they lived amongst people who worshipped pagan gods while being under the rule of kings. Um, the Magi knew what it meant to show honor to somebody who was in power. Um, they knew what it was like to show honor and bring a gift fitting for a king. And that gift that they got, the first one we're looking at, is a babe. They brought something valuable and precious. And lots of things could be used for currency in that time, but gold was the most valuable. Um, Revelation, uh, Revelation 21 says, the, and the Bible says, the streets were paved with gold. We can also look at the Magi and see what their posture is like. They come to the rulers, the King Herod's, and say, where is he? Where is he? You see, when the Magi came to Herod, they're declaring to the king of the Jews, who was put king of the Jews by Rome, that there's a new sheriff in town. Herod might have been king of the Jews, but heaven's king hadn't enter entered the scene yet. Heaven's king was coming, and they knew this. They knew it was all about the king. You see, a kingdom needs a king. You can't have a kingdom with nobody in charge. The Magi were like, who's in charge around here? The Magi had King Harold rattled because they were announcing to him that his time was up. Jesus is king, and you are not. What the Magi also knew is that you can't worship two kings. You can't worship two kings. As we enter this time of Advent, Advent actually means arrival and there are two arrivals first Christ's coming and then his return 
And we stand right now in between these two arrivals. We stand between a time of remembered joy, where we're remembering the birth of Christ, and we stand between a time of anticipated joy, the time that Christ comes back. There's two proclamations that we have for us as believers today. It's joy to the world, the Lord has come, and Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, come. Now, maybe you find that hard to do. Maybe you find that hard to do because of all the things that I just mentioned. Maybe you've never brought your most precious gift to the table. The most precious gift to King Jesus today for us is not gold. Gold just represents something valuable. Gold just represents how we honor a king. Gold just represents the posture that we're going to take before the king. That we say, hey, we're going to take the thing that's the most valuable in our life and we're going to bring it to you. Our most precious gift is not gold. The most precious gift that we can bring Jesus is our life. It's us. Our gift when we bring it to Jesus puts us in right standing. Our gift when we bring it to Jesus puts us in his presence. Our best present to Jesus is our presence, our, our attention, our focus. When we tell him he's what we seek first. Guys, you can't renounce one kingdom without joining another. You can't renounce one kingdom without joining another. There's two kingdoms at play in our earth right now. The kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of heaven. And you can't put a foot in one kingdom and be in the other. To renounce the kingdom of darkness to enter the kingdom of heaven. And when you enter the kingdom of heaven, what's your posture before the king? What's the most valuable thing that you can bring the king? Okay, I'll make it a little easier for you. You can't root for Michigan and Ohio State at the same time. <laughs> Someone said try me. You can't root for the Red Sox and the Yankees at the same time. How about that? Um, I guess you could. You could root for Michigan and Ohio State at the same time. Um, but eventually they play each other. And they play each other to see who's going to be king of their conference. Right? Somebody's got to win. There's got to be a victor. They're, they're constantly at war and at odds with each other. And the kingdom of darkness is constantly at war with the kingdom of heaven. And guys, we've got to be part of one or the other. When you replace one king, you have to worship the other. And when we replace that king, this is what we get. Revelation 3, 19 through 20 says this. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. 
Just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is Jesus speaking to the church of Laodicea. And I just want you to key in on verse 21. It says, I will give the right to sit on my throne. Guys, our king brings us to his throne. Jesus wants to make you righteous. He wants, you to, put, he wants to put you in right standing. My question is, is he your king? What other king says, come and sit on my throne? And this isn't any king. This is a merciful king. This is a forgiving king. This is a loving king. This is a king who saves. This is a king who redeems. This is a king who restores. This king has a kingdom, and it's not like any other kingdom, and he's invited you into it. And when he invites you into it, he says, hey, I'm knocking at the door. Will you have ears for me? Will you have eyes for me? Will you let me in? For those mourning right now, I got another scripture for you. Revelation 21 says this, verses 3 through 4. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Verse 4 says this, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. I'm going to invite the band up. Guys, when you give Jesus your life, you give Jesus your whole life. You don't just give him the highlight reel. You don't just give him the highlight reel and your accomplishments. You give him everything. You give him your heartache. As a matter of fact, I believe that Jesus is more interested in our heartache than he is with our accomplishments and our achievements. I believe that he's more inter interested in what's frustrating us because he wants to bring peace to that chaos. He wants to bring peace to the chaos and rest for weary souls. He wants to give you beauty for ashes. That's the type of king we have. I would never tell you guys to turn that frown upside down. But I would tell you guys to cast your burdens on a king. I will tell you guys that we have to examine the most valuable thing in our lives and have the right posture and worship Jesus. And that most valuable thing that we can lose in life our souls that you would spend time with him that you would hear him knocking at the door of your heart that there would be nothing kept from you that there would be nothing too shameful that you could bring to him because he wants to take away all the heaviness this is a king who lifts people up every other king throughout history sends their subjects out to die for him. They send people out to war for him, to die for him, to sacrifice their own lives for him. But we have the one true king who sacrificed his life for you. 
We have the one true king that laid down everything for you so that he can lift you up and bring you into his throne with him seated by the right hand of the Father. Can you see it? Can you see the king lifting you up? Can you see yourself having the right posture before the king? Saying, oh, Lord Jesus, King Jesus, here's my heartache. Here's my frustration. Here's my disappointments. This season, God, here's my bitterness. This season, King Jesus, here's my, here's my unforgiveness towards that relative, towards the friend, towards the person who broke my heart. I'm going to give it all to you. I'm going to give it all to you, King. I'm going to give you what's most valuable, what's most precious to me, my heart, my soul, my thoughts, my attention, my focus. And then you won't have to worry about somebody telling you to cheer up this Christmas season. This king and his kingdom wipes away tears. This king and his kingdom gives you beauty for ashes. This king stands at the door of your heart and he knocks and he's knocking this season, this Advent season. He's knocking and I'm asking you, what would you bring? Thank you for listening to the sermon from our Sunday service. If we can serve you in any way, please visit our website at citychurchotr.com. If you want to be a part of what God is doing in Cincinnati, you can support us financially. Giving can also be done on our website at citychurchotr.com give.